What's good, everybody? What is going on? How you doing? It is me. It is me, the big old Stevie C here on the Heel and Face podcast, podcast dedicated to the world of professional wrestling, brought to you by Heel Turn Wrestling. How y'all doing? I'm uh, just living the dream, man. You know what? Holiday season is in full swing. Things are going uh, at a rapid pace. We're coming to the end of the year as far as the calendar year goes, and the way 2020 went, this year can't be over soon enough. Now, I'm of the opinion that 2020 was a test run, it was a simulation, it was a karmic year that we just needed to shake off of our bodies, we to cleanse our auras, and hopefully 2021 will bring way more excitement and a much better vibe in with it. And, uh, you know, what better way to try to get rid of the bad and bring in the good is by escaping and talking live pro wrestling with your boy, Steve Castellanovo. So uh, great to have you along for the show. The show is really nothing without you guys, and I appreciate my audience every single day. I appreciate seeing... The people who watch the show, I understand that it did not get cross-posted last week to the Heel Turn Wrestling page, so I will be fixing that error, and I will definitely make sure that this show is seen both on the Heel and Face page and Heel Turn Wrestling page this weekend, and you guys are going to love it. And speaking of, of course... You know, I know you know you love my show. I know you tune in to my show. And my show's pretty kick-ass. I like it. I like what I do. And as I told people recently, I would do this for fun regardless. So, you know, I just, I don't really, like, see the monetary side of it quite yet. But hopefully soon, who knows? Who knows what, maybe that's part of the beautiful karma coming in 2021. And I love the fact that my Listeners, my watchers, my viewers, my audience is growing a little bit, a little bit, a little bit every day, every week. So I'm glad you're tuning in and you already know where you are. And thank you for being here. And of course, I know that you're recommending this show to your friends. You're seeing it on one of the other wrestling Facebook groups or whatever. And you're like, I dig this guy and I appreciate it. We well, you know what y'all should do. Y'all should also follow Heel Turn Wrestling on Facebook at HT Wrestling 316, HT Wrestling 316. It is a complete professional wrestling fan network. So you've got a lot of great shows to watch. If you want to watch wrestling, talk wrestling, if you want to just discuss wrestling, uh, you can go and you can watch Headlocks and Hangovers after this show. You can watch The War Room. You can watch the Wrestling 2020 show. You can watch the Wrestling 2020 trivia show that comes on before this show. You can watch Piers Austin interview wrestlers from the Australian wrestling scene. You can watch the Sleeper Hold. And, of course, you can watch the boss man himself, Billy Alexander, and his shows, The Franchise Takes Five, What Grinds His Gears, etc., etc. So it's a whole thing. You want to stick around. You want to stay tight. And we don't just, by the way, follow the major federations, even though I have them all over my uh, open page there. But 
you know, we follow independent scene pretty closely too. And there's some really, really cool independent shows, smaller shows that are coming up around the region. Now that things are kind of sort of maybe possibly opening back up again, we're going to see some pretty good shows. Just remember, if you're going to a show, please support independent pro wrestling. But of course, stay socially distant, please. Uh, so I will keep you up to date. And I'm sure everybody else will keep you up to date on their favorite promotion and what is happening in the world of professional wrestling in the small microcosm that is this area. So we try to cover it all here on Heel Turn Wrestling and especially here on the Heel and Face show. And speaking of the Heel and Face show, so I know the end of the year is coming and we're getting busy. We're getting very into what we're doing. Um, it's the holiday season and whoop-dee-doo and dickery Doc. But don't forget to stay tuned to the show throughout because I think I'm going to have some pretty cool uh, events coming up very soon. Uh, this is what I plan. And now the best laid plans of Mice and Men often go awry as John Steinbeck and Robert Burns, the poet, once wrote. But I do want to hip you guys that I know this is probably a, a week late. I didn't get the planning out correctly. Um, but next week, we're going to have the Heel and Face Awards. And I'm going to try to intersplice it in between. Last year, I think I just went straight through with my awards and what I thought about each category. But I think what we'll do, I'll do this week, uh, next week, is I will intersplice the awards better with news and with um, any wrestling that I watch this week. So that way it keeps the show moving faster. Plus it also um, intersplices with some of the happenings that are going on in the world of pro wrestling. So I think that's only appropriate. I'm trying to get a special guest to come in and help me review the year. We will see. I have... A couple of special guests possibly lining up, so if one can't make it, another one can. Uh, but uh, probably a third, probably a little better than a third percent chance uh, that I will get uh, someone on the show. Probably 66 and two-thirds percent chance that I'll be doing the show solo again. And if you take that 66 and two-thirds chance, and I don't forget it, I, I it's... It's too long. I don't want to get into it, but you know where I was going with uh, Steiner math. And then the week after, uh, I know that usually you see best of shows during the holiday season and whatnot. And I try to be as current as possible, but you know what? I want to kind of celebrate the show a little bit. I know it isn't exactly a full year, full calendar year that we've been on. And I know we've had some uh, changes early going in the year, but now I think I've hit a pretty good stride. So I've had a couple of really cool interviews this year that I'm hoping to get more as the year progresses. And I also think, I also think that uh, a couple of the big topics in the world of professional wrestling should be revisited. So I think I'm going to put together a best of show for y'all. So I think it'd be a lot of fun to relive some of the things that happened over the past year with the show and uh, the guests that I had and, and, and whatnot. So um, tune in. You know, it'll be pretty cool, I think. And that way we can, you know, relive some of the magic, but then do that final cutoff of 2020, I think, and just kind of review the year and look ahead into 2021, which is promising to be, honestly, a pretty positive one 
around the year, around the world of professional wrestling. So stick with me. Um, we've got, again, next week's show going to be the Heel and Face Awards, hopefully with a special guest. And the first show of the year next year is going to be actual year in review. So I'll try to plan this out a lot better next year. Uh, and I hope you guys will still be with me next year, too, because it'll be a lot of fun ski. You know what I mean? So what's not fun sometimes, segue, is when you get called out, especially when you think you're on top of the world and you think that, you know, you're, you're doing pretty well and criticism is really difficult to take. And again, I want to preface what I'm saying with, I'm not one of those guys that bangs on millennials. I know that people, especially my age are like, oh, millennials are so soft or they this, that, and the other. I mean, millennials are also trying to put the rent together while earning barely above minimum wage in an economy that our government has messed up over the last 12 years. Sorry to get political, but anyway. So I don't really like bang on millennials for how terrible they are or seem to be. There's just terrible people all around. And yet there are some people who criticize millennials as being soft, being unable to accept criticism and being so eager to throw out the old ways and try to usher in new that they're not willing to take any of the good ideas that happened in the past and kind of move them forward. While this is a definite, definite um, instance of that where you see this is where I think AEW is falling a little bit off the rails. Um, let's start with the first news article of this week. I know this is kind of old. I'm a little behind the times. This has evolved a little bit more since I put this together, but I think it's appropriate for us to talk about. So on his podcast, Grilling with JR, Jim Ross had some very interesting things to say about meetings and things that he'd been seeing in the back with the boys at AEW. And he mentioned his frustrations with some of the things going on in AEW as he recalled a time when he was talking to one of the boys in the back. And you've probably seen the quote plenty of times by now, but I'm going to go ahead and give it a look-see. It says, All you guys go outside. You cluster up like quail. That's going to be vital, so hang on to that. You stand there in a huddle. Friends and foes together, side by side, so you can catch some leaping idiot going over the top who never wins with this move. He goes on to say, they're looking for that holy S chant. I do try to censor this podcast, so they love to hear. This is awesome. It's a spot, folks. It's a trapeze act. I don't buy into that. So basically, JR was having a conversation with somebody, one of the boys in the back, and he was trying to get his point across that, look, the stuff you guys are doing, it's a little ridiculous. Every week, I'm calling some big, huge lucha spot that doesn't make any sense, and you guys are doing it just to do it. And this was not taken well 
imagine, imagine, by the quote-unquote boys in the back of the AEW locker room. I know you're shocked to think that. And I think that since they were so divided, um, it just bears a little bit more of investigation. I got to pull up the right thing here. Here we go. Uh, this was the reaction on Twitter. As you can see on the left is Brandon Cutler. And on the right, you see Dax Harwood from the WWE previously. And Brandon Cutler's response was this Wednesday on AEW Dynamite, seven versus seven. We're going to go outside, cluster up like coils, stand there in a huddle, friends and foes together side by side to catch some leaping idiot going over the top. Can't wait. 8 p.m. TNT. Hopefully for 1 million viewers, let's effing go. Meanwhile, on the other side of the locker room is Dax Harwood, who tweets, Imagine not listening to criticism from the men and women who've shaped our profession and paved the road that allows you to make a living today, all because they hurt your feelings. And what I find really funny is that the criticism of AEW is that there is no senior statesman leadership, or at least there seems to be no statesman leadership. They hired, obviously, Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard and a lot of these other older wrestlers, mostly to be figureheads, though, mostly to be coaches. They're not really there, I don't think, to do anything major with what's going on in the back. I think that Tony Khan is pretty much the quote-unquote head booker, and basically he just feeds off of the energy from Omega and Paige and Cody and the Bucks. So there isn't one person back there that's been in the wrestling business as a leader, whether it's booking, whether it's management, whether it's uh, promoting, whether it's the head of a wrestling company. No one in that locker room who makes the final decisions on what to do has had more than probably 10 years of experience in the actual world of professional wrestling. And I think that's a lot of people's criticism. I think it's pretty valid. It's a valid criticism when you think about it. Um, the fact that JR felt like he had to say something when, when no one else was is interesting to me. I know people speculated that now that Sting is back. He might provide some of that leadership. I don't think so. Time will tell on that one. But really, let's get to the heart of the situation, which is I think I've finally given up on AEW, or at least I'm putting AEW on hold for a while. And this is part of the reason why it's the same criticism that many other wrestling fans face with AEW, which is there's no adult back there. There isn't somebody that back there saying this is a stupid idea. This is no Pat Patterson. And I know as much as Pat Patterson could translate Vince's thoughts to the boys and girls in the back, as much as he did that, he also talked people out of their stupid ideas. And trust me, WWE is going to get enough criticism in and of itself, as it is, not worried about that. I do that enough, too, and I'm probably going to do it again very soon. But for AEW's problem is that there isn't a solid leader. There isn't a solid adult. There isn't a solid veteran who's 
been in the wrestling business, who knows what the wrestling business is like, who, who, you know, it's one thing to be born in the wrestling business and have it be tangentially fall around you. And there's no shame in not knowing what you're doing. If you're inheriting a business, there's plenty of people who've expected their sons, their cousins, et cetera, et cetera, to get involved in the family business and it not work out. There's businesses every day who have a falling out with family, loved ones, close friends. There's a wing joint up here in the Columbus area that the two were best friends and they thought they'd be together forever. And then one of the friends didn't like the way things were going and decided he could do it better. And he sprouted off and made his own wing joint. So it happens all the time. Yes, there's a lot of pressure and a lot of expectation for someone who grew up in the business to be good at it. But just because you grew up in the business doesn't make you necessarily good at it. And I think that um, a lot of this falls on the shoulders of Cody, who kind of was brought in or at least bought into the whole concept of AEW to be able to make the contacts, make the contact with Arn, make the contact with Tully, make the contact with Jake, make the contact with all these guys who were his dad's best friends. And that didn't pan out the way people intended to. So there's no central leadership. There's nobody saying, you know what? We've done this Lucha spot like eight weeks in a row. Can we change it up, do something else? Why do we need six, seven, eight men tag teams? Why don't you just have like a 20-person intergender tag team at the beginning of every show? Why not just have a battle royal every show? And I think some wrestlers got upset because they heard the truth. They heard the truth about their work. They heard the truth about their job. Um, let me also say this. People as smart and as savvy as JR. Don't say things on their podcast like this in a vacuum. They don't just randomly say, oh, this is what I said and this happened. There probably has been multiple conversations. This is probably a snippet of multiple conversations that JR has had with workers in the back. JR probably sat down with a bunch of guys, probably sat down with Luchasaurus and said, hey, uh, you know, we get it. You can wrestle like a Lucha. Can you turn up the monster a little bit? They pro he probably had tons of conversations with uh, the talent in the back privately. They probably, he probably had a ton of conversations with private party. Um, and whereas in the past in a wrestling locker room, if a veteran came over and pulled you aside, it was an honor because they saw something in you where they wanted you to be something or they wanted you to just twinge something in your game and it was usually positive advice to elevate you but nowadays people just people in general they don't take criticism very well and now it's seen as oh this old guy what does he know um he's seen as kind of an interloper and what's really funny too is I don't think a whole lot of people in AEW actually have defined roles as to what they're they're doing I think everything's all squishy and fluid and 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 amoeba-like, and you know when that happens, there's chaos. Nobody knows what they're doing. And I think that people got upset, wrestlers got upset, because JR was trying to do the thing that a veteran should do, 
which is help the young guys make their career better, and they see him as an interloper. Oh, what's he doing? He's just supposed to be on the mic. Why doesn't he just concentrate on calling the matches? Blah, 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 blah. So they were upset that an adult was talking, and they should have probably listened. Now, will they take the advice? Will they not? Unfortunately, I'm leaning towards not. I'm leaning towards this becoming a thing. Um, I can totally see JR being banned from the locker room. Honestly, I can see JR just being asked to do nothing more but commentary. And that would be horrendous. That would be a completely horrendous move. Um, I don't see AEW growing from this. I don't see any of the... Um, the wrestlers in charge, the wrestlers involved growing from this. And I, I just see this getting worse. I hope that the people involved can, uh, can take this as a morale thing, just take it on the chin and just take it as constructive criticism and move on. I'm hoping that happens. I don't think it's going to happen. So, um, we'll see. Hopefully, JR doesn't get any heat from this, and hopefully someone has the guts in the back to stand up to whoever's trying to create heat with JR to say, no, no heat here. And oh, by the way, just to finish this out, just to bring this up to date, there have been reports even out today that Brendan Cutler was cut from the 7-on-7 seven -seven tag team because he spoke out on a tweet about it, you know, the tweet that I just showed you. That is probably overanalyzing it just a tad. I don't think there's anything to that. Uh, you know, it just so happened that Wardlow uh, can't make it to the taping because of family issues. He can't get into... Um, the arena, he won't be able to make it there on time. So, you know, I'm not worried. Not worried at all. Um, so, okay. Shoot. But, yeah, people are trying to bury Brandon, saying that, oh, well, he was left off because he mouthed off about JR. Uh, that's That's not... That's not at all true. At least it, that that would seem pretty stupid and pretty petty. And and you would think that someone who's as close to the Bucks as Brandon Cutler is, there'd be a legit reason why he was cut. Probably because it would look like being the, a six on seven with the baby faces having the advantage. And there would have been no way that that would have flew, flown. So that was next. Um, besides, Brandon Cutler's shooting off his mouth about other stupid things too. So... Uh, even if he was being punished for his activity on Twitter, it wasn't because of what he said directly to JR. So now people that are listening to other opinions, people that are forming alliances or whatnot is interestingly enough, triple H in Gabe Sapolsky. This news article came out this week as well. It says that Triple H is going to launch a second NXT show with Evolve or former Evolve promoter Gabe Sapolsky. Now, we know that Gabe has been working with, I don't know which 
preposition is more appropriate there, with or for, but he's been working with and or for the WWE for quite some time now. And we know that Triple H is really trying to distance himself from Vince, even uh, not, uh, not show him a lot of stuff about what's going on with WWE NXT. And it's probably for a good reason. Um, and this show is reportedly going to be the NXT Coconut Circuit. So they're going to be developing a show that's going to be based off of a lot of house shows, uh, people that are up and coming in NXT. It's It's been described as the NXT for NXT. So as you know, for a while, NXT was considered the developmental, right? You could only watch it on the network. It was the uh, final transformation of Florida Championship Wrestling, and basically you were shot up from NXT either to Raw or SmackDown. That was the perception, whether it was true or not. I think Triple H has done a fantastic job differentiating, making NXT its own brand. But, yeah, I think it would be a lot of fun to have a kind of promotion within a promotion have a certain branch or section of NXT be its own kind of final step until you get to NXT. And shall I say they're going to name this show NXT Evolved? I think that would be perfect. It would be a perfect connection. Or, you know what, just they own Evolve, just call it Evolve. I mean, that's what, it sh that's what they should be doing. It should be literally like a network-only show, and it should be run basically – Florida, South Carolina, you know, the panhandle, just just around the state. Don't go anywhere, you know. Don't 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 do anything crazy. Just just promote like old school territory, old school Florida territory. Um, this was this is a great idea because it, it gives the guys that they bought uh, or brought in a place to work on stuff. It gives the performance center former Performance Center, Capital Wrestling Center, trainees, something to work on, something to do. Um, helps them work on things real time. And it's a brand. I mean, it's a brand that people enjoy. So hopefully this is part of a step up for NXT. And it's a step up for the company itself, the promotion itself. Um, because we do need those guys to work live, you know, you can train all you want. You can do all the things you can practice all you want. You can become really good, but nothing is like going out and performing professional wrestling live and NXT and triple H want to keep that vibe. They want to continue that vibe. So good for them. I hope NXT evolved becomes a thing or they bring back, uh, evolve, and make it a thing. Honestly, they should do it with all the promotions that they've now kind of bought, like WXW. They should morph that into something too, maybe a training ground for NXT UK. Um, we know that they're about to launch NXT India, and it, I'm 100% sure once that gets off the ground, we're going to be seeing NXT Japan very, very soon. So it's not like... Uh, it's not impossible. It's not undoable. It's just convincing Vince to put the money towards it and then convincing Vince that it's legit because we know how badly he's screwing things up 
Anyway, now that we're on the subject of NXT, it's the only WWE show that I watched this week. And I know that uh, TLC is coming up. And it's the final pay-per-view of the year. So we'll get to talking about that near the end of the show. Um, so I don't know what to say about NXT. It's merrily rolling along. At this point, it's the only NXT or WWE product that's watchable. Continues to be watchable for me. Um, even with Austin Theory joining Johnny Gargano. Even with Johnny Gargano winning the belt back, it's still really watchable for me. So it's the only product I kind of pay attention to. I may be cycling through. I know I haven't seen SmackDown in forever, and which is a shame because Kevin Owens is one of my favorite wrestlers. There's a lot of other extenuating reasons why I don't watch SmackDown. Um, but I'll try to keep up with it as much as I can. But as for right now, the only thing that I have or dedicate the time to is NXT because really it's the only brand that's out of all three is uh, the best. So, and sorry, I don't watch enough 205 Live. I don't watch enough main event. I don't watch enough superstars or whatever it is they got going on on the network. There's only 24 hours in a day. There's only seven days in a week. And until that gets expanded, you can only watch so much. So I try to do what I can. And I'm watching NXT and the first match is a tag team match between uh, the North American champion Johnny Gargano and his mentee, his minion, Austin Theory, against uh, Leon Ruff and Kushida. Um, kind of what I expected with Leon Ruff is what they do with all the people. They bring them up. They hot shot them. They make you know them. They, they, they get you to fall in love with them. And then they just basically uh, job them out for the rest of eternity. Um what can you say? It was really ex exciting match, and Leon and Kushida worked well together, um, despite you know never having really tagged together. I'm sure they've been very accustomed to how each other work, working together and evolve and other things. Um, I don't know what Kushida is thinking or why does he feel like he still needs to be in WWE the way all the big name wrestling stars from. Uh, New Japan get treated every time they sign with WWE. Um, you know, anyway, so uh, Leon Ruff about killed Austin Theory with a DDT. Even that was going around lately. People were criticizing that. Uh, old people, older fans were criticizing the, that as the DDT used to be the most deadly finishing move in all of pro wrestling and uh it's now a setup move like the super kick um it was it was a good match it was just a match you could expect and of course the heels won so nothing nothing major it's just to further the complications between uh leon ruff and damian priest going for the north american belt Plus, it gives all parties something to do. Next match. Here's one that was kind of interesting. So, as you know, Tommaso Ciampa is going back and forth between being 
a heel and a face. Shout out to the Heel and Face podcast. Woop woop. Um, you know, one week he beats up a bully, and the next week he basically destroys a kid. And the kid was one of the fattest fatch can kids. Um, by the way, they are continuing the, the feud between Champa and Thatcher by Thatcher coming down to the ring and sitting down and using a chair. So, ooh, kind of mirroring, echoing what Champa did two weeks ago. So there was that. Um, good stuff from Tyler Rust. But, of course, there's no way that Champa's going to lose unless there's interference and um, Champa spikes him with the widow's bell. So one, two, three, moving on. This was insane. Um, Kyle O'Reilly and Pete Dunne went at it to earn a title opportunity against Finn Balor at New Year's Evil, which is going to run concurrently with New Year's Bash from AEW. So we'll see. Um they picked up where they left off from NXT TakeOver. Completely brutal. This is something that you want to see. This is something that old school wrestlers always beg the WWE for. Holds and counters. And uh, hard hitting, beating the crap out of each other for about 20 minutes. It was really good. It ended up becoming kind of a cluster because, uh, you know, everybody wants a shot at the champs, right? So Lorkin and uh, Birch were there at ringside. All of a sudden, Drake, Maverick, and Killian Dane come out. And they jump them. Uh, Undisputed Era came out. And even Brizongo came out. So expect some type of four, fatal four-way tag team turmoil at New Year's Bash for the tag belts. Because again, WWE has nothing to do and they have a bunch of people lying around. So what do they do? Fatal four-way. And you know that if Oni Lorcan and Danny Birch do drop the belts during the fatal four-way, it's not going to be to Killian, Dane, and Maverick. And it's not going to be to Brazongo. It's going to be um, against uh, Cole and Strong or Strong and Fish or whoever they put together. Um Uh, they went out, they even went in the ring apron. Again, I hate the ring apron. That's the one thing I hate, which people wouldn't do anymore, the ring apron stuff. Uh, they were almost, uh, Pete Dunn was almost going to put an X-Plex on O'Reilly on the top, um, but spilled outside in, on the floor. And then uh, O'Reilly came off with a diving knee and won an extremely hard-hitting match. So Kyle O'Reilly gets a rematch at the Prince at New Year's Evil, and I think it's going to be super dope. And again, I don't know if the wrestling community or you fans out there want this any more than anybody else does, but man, for Kyle O'Reilly to win the belt, I'd be okay with that. I'm sure many of you would too. And of course, you can definitely comment below or comment on the Heel and Face page, message me what you think about that. Next match, I love Shotzi. 
you know, this is just her fighting one of the underlings before she gets to the big boss, feeding Indy Hartwell. Again, Indy Hartwell just getting fed to the veteran. No, nothing real to see here. Um, Johnny had the cup. Uh, and Candice LeRae gave it to Indy Hartwell and saw Hartwell hit Shotzi with it, and then it was just thrown out. Um, then LeRae came in and hit her with the Wicked Stepsister. Moving on. Here's one that was interesting because I did not expect him to be back this quickly, but... Karrion Cross is back, former NXT champion. And he defeated the newly renamed Desmond Troy. Used to be uh, Denzel Desjardins, and now he's Desmond Troy, but it doesn't matter because it was pretty much a squash match. And uh, Desmond Troy, is, he didn't change his weight. He didn't change his body type. Dude is still six foot four and about 240. And uh, Karrion Cross is throwing him around the ring like he's a sack of potatoes. Just cyto suplexes and, and throws and stuff. Uh, that dude is deceptively. He doesn't really look that big when you look at him. Uh, but the dude has this ridiculous, just regular man strength that is so deceptive. And. Um, after he hit him with that, he put him in the cross jacket. It was over. And then he had an interesting little challenge for Damian Priest at New Year's Evil. So, yeah, give me that. I want all that. I want all that. Last match of the night was Tony Storm defeating Rita Ripley. Um, the big <laughs> double headbutt is brutal. Um, they fought each other all over the world. They've put together amazing matches. There's nothing more to be said about how cool the match was, even though I'm not a fan of turning Tony Storm heel just yet. But, you know, what do I know? I'm sitting here talking about wrestling, and they're the ones that are running the show. So, um, they just beat the bejesus out of each other for a while. Uh, then Gonzalez comes out. She's out there for intimidation, obviously. Then uh, trying to distract Rhea Ripley, but Ripley ends up giving the big boot to Storm, who crashes into Gonzalez. Uh, but Gonzalez uh, took advantage of the ref checking on Storm, and she goes in and um, beats up Ripley, softens her up. Tony Storm hits Storm Zero and gets the win. Didn't make... Rhea Ripley look weak, so don't worry about that. You're still getting your Hoss fight, your Hossa fight, Hossat fight. I don't want to use sexist language, so I'm just going to say Hoss. The big Hoss fight between Rhea Ripley and Raquel Gonzalez coming up. And I can't wait. Just the continuation of their feud. That's going to be bomb, and I uh, can't wait to see it. I'm here for it. So NXT had its moments of dumb... Uh, but it was okay. We had some appearances from the Grizzled Young Veterans. Uh, for some reason, Zaylee's beating up Balboa. And uh, Isaiah Swerve Scott, something's up with him. You'll have to tune in to NXT next week to figure out what. So that's pretty much NXT in a nutshell. Again, it's the only... 
worthwhile product that WWE is putting out right now. But let's switch gears, shall we? Let's talk about the only other, uh, the only other wrestling show that I got a chance to catch. Hint, hint. This promotion may be in the promotion of the year category next week, as I watched MLW Fusion, and this is the final semifinal for the Opera Cup. So MLW Fusion was really interesting this week. It's going to get pretty scary. It's going to get pretty, pretty heavy in the upcoming weeks. Then we also got a interview as Alicia Atut was waiting for Hammerstone and Holiday to come up so she could get an exclusive interview with the Dynasty. And as she was ready to interview, I think it was hilarious, Rich Holiday said, oh, was, oh, great, not you again. Pretty hilarious as soon as he said, I can't get away from you for one second. Uh, and then uh, Hammerstone kind of called him out and said, what are you talking about? You've been talking about her the whole ride up. And he's like, why are you stooging me off? Meanwhile, as they're about to answer questions from Alicia, masked men, the uh, presumably members of the Sentai Death Squad came out to attack the dynasty, but it didn't work. Um, Holiday took care of the man who jumped him from behind. And then, of course, Hammerstone took care of the other two by himself, and uh, he was about ready to bash one of them against the hood of their car. Apparently, it's a rental because Rich Holiday pleaded with the open weight champion not to bash the dude's face into the car because it was in his name. I think that was pretty hilarious. Uh, also, had a little exchange after they beat up both of uh, all three of the members that jumped them. They, uh, Richard Holiday said, I'm not worried about these guys. I'm worried about uh, what you said about me in front of Alicia. And Hammerstone looks at the ground. He says, I'm not worried about these guys either. And they kind of walk off. So it was kind of a funny little segment to start off after some flashes of Contra or whatever. Uh, next, first match of the night was a debut for MLW. And it was Los Parks came out to watch La Park Jr. make his MLW debut versus a young man who was trained by TJP, uh, Boo Kudao. And the match itself wasn't uh, altogether bad. It was actually um, it was actually okay for a debut from two guys who've never uh, been, you know, wrestling before, or at least in a major league and major level anyway. Um, didn't think LaPark Jr. looked very active. I think this is a criticism a little bit of Luchas, especially the bigger Luchas, is that some of their work looks a little hokey, looks a little not laid in like some of those kicks and some of those uh, punches look more like not stiff. They definitely weren't stiff. It didn't connect on a lot of them. It just a lot of the times where the park was kicking 
uh, Buku Dao. It looks more like he was just flicking him with his foot, not a real kick. But then again, Le Parker Jr. comes up with an enziguri, which was pretty awesome too. Um, it was a little sluggish, you know, for two guys, again, who had their MLW debut. Uh, Buku Dao looks pretty good. Um, he's pretty thick. He's a Vietnamese wrestler. He made sure that he wanted to make the Vietnamese people and TJP proud. So that was nice. Um, nice mix of, you know, luchador and you could see a little bit of TJP style, high flying style kind of coming into play. So uh, it wasn't too bad. Uh, I liked it. I was a little afraid, uh, not afraid, but I was a little interested in the ending of this match uh, because Buku Dao wins. Uh, and I didn't expect that. The parks are kind of a heel slash face. They're a tweener faction. So one minute they're talking about how they're going to murder Contra, and the next minute they're uh, doing heel tactics, which they did outside the ring. Uh, this was this is one thing that didn't uh, I didn't understand is when Bukudao was getting beat up on the other side of the ring. Why TJP didn't at least try to come around, or at least around the ring apron? I know it's a clo enclosed space, but TJP didn't come around to try to fend some of the Los Parks off. But uh, for whatever reason, um, he didn't need to because Bukudao won. Uh, caught him with uh, a uh, like kind of a flatliner, I think. Yeah, and then Dao gets up. The uh, park has him. He's setting him up for, I thought, maybe like a Orange Crush or something like that. Definitely had a hammerlock and a guillotine choke on. But Dow somehow rolled him up and got the pin, so good for him. Uh, nice little uh, nice little win for a debut on MLW. Hopefully he'll be part of the middleweight division. So Next, we got time for some interviews. We got a little bit of filthy Tom Lawler talking crap about ACH. We had ACH saying he's not going to be denied that he's uh, ready for this moment, that he's training hard, and he's not going to give up. You know, he's he's got too much writing on this. Then we get another interview randomly in the middle. Jordan Oliver calls out Simon Gotch and says he's going to pay for what he did to go to Brazil, pretty much ending his MLW career. And he's, he's never forgot. And he is going to face uh, Simon Gotch at the next pay-per-view. Sorry, the name of it escapes me, but uh, that's what's going to happen. In the back, we hear scuffling and it was supposed to be a backstage interview with Hammerstone, but he got apparently jumped by members of Contra, including the next man who came out to the match, the black hand of MLW, Mads Kruger, came out in a two-on-one match with Ben, ben Heavy and Daniel Starling. Um, Guess who Ben Heavy was? If you look at the picture, you can tell. Um, 
even with a two-on-one situation, it was no trouble for Mads Kruger to completely take control of the match. Uh, at some point, he used Daniel Starling himself as a weapon against Heavy. And uh, it was just a squash. It was, it was terrible to see the immense power uh, coming from Mads Kruger. He is somebody that... MLW, that the dynasty, that the Von Erics, that anybody who stands in Contra's way should definitely be afraid of. You know, it's already bad enough to have Gotch and Fatu and uh, and others in Contra. Now they got this behemoth. So we'll see. Uh, Myron Reed accepts Leo Rush's challenge, so he's going to be fighting him at the next pay per view. Uh, the Von Erics, they talked uh, about how it, they don't care uh, who they fight for the belt, but they're going to be fighting. And they feel like that they're going to, uh, they backed, by the way, they backed ACH and they supported him. They actually trained with him. So they got him ready for his match against Filthy Tom Lawler coming up later on in the episode. But another interesting development in this episode of Fusion was we see Selena de la Renta, who is still in Mexico City, but now she's gone darker. She's gone deeper into her power, and she has now summoned a man that we thought was gone. Yes, folks, she has found him. She's resurrecting Mil Muertes, and she is bringing Mil Muertes to MLW very soon. So, again, Contra's bad enough. Now I got Mil Muertes. And she's going to take her revenge on MLW because MLW treated her like garbage. And she wants retribution for the pain that she suffered by being accused of being with Contra and, and everything taken away from her. So she will definitely be exacting her revenge by bringing a literal monster to MLW. So good luck with MLW. We'll see what happens when Will Muertes makes his MLW debut. Now it's main event time, and I was very interested in this match because I was interested how the styles were going to meet. ACH has got that hybrid wrestler style between the Japanese and American strong style along with high flyer, uh, along with athlete. So that was interesting versus Tom Lawler, who's, you know, a mixed martial arts expert. So the match itself is going to be interesting. And I just wondered out loud, well, it would be weird if ACH made the finals because it'd be basically two of the same guy. It'd be ACH fighting low key and that'd be too similar. Um, but on the other side, it would also be so too similar if you got two grapplers and grounded pound guys going at it like Lawler and Loki. So uh, getting ahead of myself, of course, you take a look at the match. Uh, surprisingly, ACH brought a ground game. He does. He did clearly train with the Von Erics, and it shows because um, he did start off the match 
doing much high flying. He didn't start off the match with a lot of spots, as he's been accused of in his career, throughout his career. And he actually took Lawler's game to him. So that was pretty uh, pretty ingenious, if you, if you think about it. Uh, a lot of grappling all over the place. Uh, they used leverage pins on each other, which, again, is something that we don't see in pro wrestling anymore, right? Um, at some point, like, Lawler transitioned into an arm breaker, but uh, ACH kind of converted that into a pin. And um, same thing is true with ACH. Uh, ACH tried to go uh, back for a penny combination, and then uh, Lawler converted that into a pin. So uh, there's a lot of back-and-forth wrestling. I was really uh, excited. I know the pacing of the match went well because, again, you keep it on the ground first, and then they got to ACH's specialty of doing a lot of the high-flying maneuvers and stuff, drop kicks, whatnot, coming off the top rope. Um, at some point, uh, then the third part of the match, uh, was ACH coming on strong, tempted a frog splash, Lawler blocked it by putting his knees up. Um, uh, Lawler resorted to um, a low clothesline and got ACH down for the two. Um, they went after it. They went at each other with a lot of chops. And uh, Lawler comes flying out with a destructive back elbow, laying ACH out. Um, back and forth they go. ACH gets Lawler up with a double underhook into a Tiger driver. That didn't work. So ACH goes off the top rope. Lawler catches him. One, two, three, the roll up. So Lawler is going on to the Opera Cup finals to face low key. I was really interested, is again, how this match was going to go, seeing as though it was a clashing of styles. And it was perfect. ACH beat Lawler at his own game, or at least stalemated him at his own game for the first third of the match. The second third of the match, the uh, baby face, ACH gets the better of Lawler, and then the end of the match, uh, Lawler, the heel, gets over. And it wasn't anything, again, even though they were at ringside, Team Filthy, violence is forever, didn't have to interfere, uh, he didn't need any silliness going on outside the ring. Uh, Lawler was able to anticipate ACH coming off with a frog splash to be able to roll him up for the quick pin. It all made sense, it was all good, um, so we all are going to be treated to a match between Filthy Tom Lawler and Loki for the Opera Cup. I didn't know this. I had to look this up. I had to be told the history of it. Last year's Opera Cup, when Loki came up just a bit short, he vowed that he would win it this year. So I think it's a nice little homage or whatever you want to call it, a paying it forward to getting him to the finals. And, of course, the history of uh, Loki and Lawler, the history they have between each other, how long they've been fighting each other. Um, it isn't King Mo, and it's not top team, but it's close. 
And I think this is going to be a nice little way to work in the eventual show off between King Mo and Loki. I kind of expect some shenanigans next week, but you know, to pair him up, have him wrestle Lawler with Team Filthy is is a nice little foil to get him ready to fight uh, King Mo and Dan Lambert and whatnot. So MLW all around the show wasn't as good as last week. I don't know when I've been more entertained with a squash match, but just, you know, again, using one man as a weapon against another man. Um, so other than that, wasn't as good as it was last week, but it's still pretty good. And the main event match lived up to its expectation. So, uh, kudos for kudos to MLW for doing what they did. I can't wait to see the finals of the Opera Cup next week. And that's what I'll look forward to. Again, you can check with me whether I'm wrong or whether I'm right on the Facebook page or the Twitter page. You know, uh, you can go to the Twitter handle at Heel and Face Pod. You can at me there like the kids do with their rock and roll music. Um, definitely give me a shout, like the page, subscribe, keep keep hitting the notifications, keep sharing it, keep liking it, keep telling your friends that I like talking wrestling on Sunday afternoon, and hopefully we can keep the show going. Plus, you can also check me out. The audio version of this podcast will be on all streaming services that you enjoy. So if you can't ca- catch the show live, you can definitely catch me on the Flippity Flip with the audio version on streaming services and of course don't forget the great shows that are on heel turn wrestling as well so i want you definitely to go to heel turn wrestling's page at ht wrestling 316 that's ht wrestling 316 for all the other great shows that are talking pro wrestling speaking of talking pro wrestling um, again, just want to let you know the next two shows should be a lot of fun. Should be something to look forward to. Um, next week, the heel in the face awards, we've got promotion of the year. We've got wrestler of the year, female wrestler of the year, tag team of the year, angle of the year and news article of the year. So we've got a lot of awards to give out. Uh, won't be setting up any of the polls. It'll be totally my opinion, but you can always argue my opinion on the Facebook page. Lining up or trying to line up a special guest for that, and if that falls through, then I'll just do it by myself. So, And then, of course, the start of the year, we're going to start the year with the best of show, which is almost counterintuitive, but not really. I'm just behind by one week. So uh, I want to thank everybody tuning into the show today. It was really cool of you to be here with me, to watch along, to comment and do all the things. And I really appreciate it. I love that you guys love to talk wrestling with me and Stay safe. Again, continue to do the things you need to do to make yourself and your family safe so you can enjoy wrestling in the future. Have fun. Steady watch wrestling. Keep wrestling alive. Support indie wrestling where you can. And as always, peace.